Welcome back to Seeds of Awakening. My name is Forrest Dwyer. My name's Kimberly Jacobson. We're right on schedule with this podcast. We're a bit late, so it is our mission to give you guys a podcast every two weeks, and we try so hard. We're we try so fighting hard. fighting tooth and nail. We bleed, we sweat <laughs> for you guys, and <laughs> we're just a bit late. But so also sorry. at the same time, sometimes life happens, and you just, just got to ride that wave. <laughs> You gotta be fluid. Um, but this week we really we have uh, an amazing guest. So Laura Hunt. Yeah, Laura is, Hunt. Uh, well, what were you gonna say? Laura Hunt, I met by complete happenstance, and it was a treat. Um, and I was very excited to dive into conversation with her and the the organization that she now um, is a big part in in running and managing. Yeah, she's a big part in in running an uh, organization called Hands in Outreach. They are. An educational sponsorship program for poor inner city girls in Nepal. And she, she actually tells us some amazing stories of um, some specific girls in Nepal and, and some of the things that are happening in Nepal um, and how this organization is like their boots on the ground in Nepal, um, helping them from a young age, from you know a couple of years old, all the way until they go into a higher education. Uh, yeah, the girls that otherwise would be, uh, you know, poor and have to, you know, marry young or, or um, find a different way so it's really amazing yeah and they they even at this point have added some programs that help not only girls in school but also um adult women with some yep. some other methods of education and yeah, um, life skills which is just so cool very cool Yes. There's also two things she wanted us to let you know because we did this interview um, a couple weeks back. I hate saying that because I know we said we're late, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but she wanted us to let you know of two things that are coming up. Uh, yeah, there's in um, December. So yeah, well, one in particular. There's a community event coming up, so it's perfect timing. It's this Friday, December sixth, and it's in Dartmouth, Massachusetts, at a place called Wild Honey, and it's very holiday themed um it's kind of like caroling and food and beverages but um all of it goes back to um this organization and to help uh girls education in nepal and then i think you'll meet laura (laughs) if you go and worth it wild honey is really good so absolutely um and the other thing and i just wanted to mention is that for the entire month of december there's um, a very generous hands and outreach patron who has offered to match new donations so um any little bit goes a really long way and she'll talk about that within this podcast as well where it's like a dollar thirty dollars can just do so much for girls and families in Nepal. So yeah, and I know yesterday, the day that we're recording this intro is is Giving Tuesday. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so g- give Wednesday. Give Wednesday. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to make and you Thursday. make you donate. But it, it's a really wonderful conversation if we have Laura. We hope you guys enjoy it and you learn something about Nepal. Um, and she tells some really cool stories about the children and the girls she's met through, through this journey in Nepal and how they communicate. And so we'll link all the other information in the show notes. Yes, we will. And as always, thanks to Malachi for the song, the woods. Enjoy. We're with Laura Hunt, so thanks for thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for chatting with me. <laughs> and 
Uh, I want to talk about your organization. So that's like the main reason we're going to talk to you. That is why we're here. But because um, your organization helps girls and women in Nepal, um, especially within education. But I was hoping maybe to lay the groundwork. You could talk a little bit about like what a life might look like for somebody that's growing up in Nepal, especially a young woman in Nepal. Um, so we have an idea before we dive into like what you guys do and, and how you help. Okay. So Hands and Outreach is a small nonprofit organization and we provide access to education for poor girls and women in mm-hmm. Nepal. Uh, Nepal is a patriarchal society. Uh, women's education is highly undervalued mm-hmm. um, and girls are typically the first to not receive an education in Nepal. Um, we, our organization began in 1985. Mm-hmm. We're about to celebrate our 35th yeah. year and which is very exciting. Very exciting. Um, and at one point in time, we did, um, we're an educational sponsorship program primarily. And at one point we did sponsor boys as well mm-hmm. in Nepal, but it became really evident that um, girls were the most marginalized population. And those were the ones that we needed to serve. Mm-hmm. So what, what is the societal norm? What, what does a typical life look like for young girls in Nepal? Well, Nepal is a developing country, as you probably know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, poverty runs rampant in Nepal. So the families that we work with, um, a lot of NGOs will work with uh, families in the mountainsides because it's a, Nepal is a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's known for its mountains and its temples and its beautiful, rich culture. Um, the girls and women that we work with are strictly in inner city Kathmandu. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we are working with uh, people who are living in desperate poverty in Kathmandu, the nation's capital. Mm-hmm. So their home might look um, hmm, maybe a 10 by 10 room um, that's shared by a family of four or five oh, wow. and one bed, maybe two beds, maybe a mat that's rolled out onto the onto the floor at night for sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, in the corner of the room, they may have uh, just a little cook stove, a little propane stove. There's one house that I that I have visited a couple of times where there is no stove at all. There's actually just a little fire in mm-hmm. the corner of the room, and mm-hmm. that's how they, they cook. Um, and the families that we work with are largely, uh, most of them are headed by uh, single illiterate mothers. Um, the face of poverty is a single illiterate mother. Um, oftentimes, uh, men have have either left the family, um, uh, they weren't there to begin with, um, and uh, women are left on their own to, to fend for themselves. Mm. Um, and the children are the, the victims of poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you look at the people that we work with, you wouldn't know the kind of uh, home life that they lead. Uh, they're, the people that we work with are very proud, um, and um, they hold themselves to high standards. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're walking along the street and you notice one of our Hands and Outreach sponsored girls, she'll be dressed in a uniform going to school, mm-hmm. um, neatly dressed, hairs plated, and clean um and then you look at her home and you think my gosh how can you right how can you pull that off you know yeah. um and yeah. i'm in dusty Kathmandu looking like a mess and i look at our families and say wow you, you are something um yeah so what is 
what is the schooling tradition like in Kathmandu, like uh, for for young girls, but also for young boys? Like, what is the norm of of schooling? So there are government schools, and then there are independent schools. Um, the schools are really crowded, mm-hmm. um, and it's a traditional educational system. So. Um, Unlike the education that we have here, I I was teaching at um, at Moses Brown School, a Quaker school, yeah. and um, <laughs> and I'm used to a pretty progressive uh, methodology um, in teaching and learning. So cooperative learning, working in small groups, um, inquiry-based learning that is not the norm <laughs> in uh, Nepal and in Kathmandu. It's a highly traditional system. It's a very uh, teacher-centric. Uh, mode of teaching. So when I first walked into uh, a classroom in, in Kathmandu, I would, the first time I went, I was charged with doing teacher training. And, oh, wow. and I thought, okay, you know, what's this going to look like? Um, and I had this vision of what that might look like because I've done teacher Progressive training here. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do some like, you know, responsive classroom. Yeah. We're going to get you working in small groups. We're going to get you reading out loud and doing all kinds of fun things. And what I found is that um, in Nepal, the teachers are standing in the front of the room and oftentimes they are reciting something and uh. students are reciting back. Hmm. So I remember Very vividly yeah. being in a third grade classroom and the teacher was teaching uh, the city mouse and the country mouse. The city mouse, <laughs> and the children would say, the city mouse and the country mouse and the country mouse. Yeah. And so there's a lot of just call response and not a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, inquis- inquisitive learning, let's say. Right. Um, and so students will go to crowded schools, um, maybe 30 in a classroom that's mm-hmm. uh, you know, about half the size of this room, mm-hmm. um, and sitting in rows looking at the teacher. Um, and they go through, school goes from nursery to 10th grade, and in 10th grade, it's a British system, so they're taking a SEE exam, and mm-hmm. don't ask me to tell you what SEE <laughs> stands for, but at that point, at 10th grade, um, the exam helps to determine what track a student will take, whether they're going to be humanities or science. Um, And then they go to what we call plus two. So 11th and 12th grade are plus two. Anything beyond 11th and 12th grade is then higher education, so college. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. And I I read that um, part of the problem with especially impoverished families isn't just getting enrolled in school, but it's, it's staying in school throughout their entire childhood. Is for many reasons. Part of the reasons with women is that they m- might be married. And some of the, um, well, yeah, sure. Child marriage and teen pregnancy are a huge um, inhibitor yeah. to education. But yeah, kids will um, leave. Maybe sixth, seventh grade is uh, you know that's considered you're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, especially in Kathmandu, life on the street can um, yeah. have its pull. And for girls especially. Um, uh, girls are subject to child marriage, teen yeah. pregnancy. Um, Bimala, who I was telling you about, who was here uh, this weekend, her mom was married at age 10. Mm. Wow. And had her first child at 14. And so that is a, that is a norm. Um, and it, it's, it's something that we struggle with, too, you know, as we're educating young women. Um, you know, we have young women who part of our program is to keep girls from um, 
becoming married as children or mm -hmm. becoming pregnant. We see education is the key out of poverty. That that's going to be the ticket. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're married and having kids, then you're not you're not able to go to school. And we don't have a you know teen mothers program. Mm -hmm. um, and at times we're faced with with girls who are struggling with that decision, or families who are putting pressure on girls to um, to become married. Mm -hmm. um, and we have to, you know, we we walk that careful line of how much do you intervene um, yeah. with a cultural norm? Uh, yeah. Well, that's interesting, and that's something I kind of wanted to talk about. The um, that like I was reading through the guiding principles and kind of the mm. six guiding principles that Hands and Outreach tries to embody or tries to, is a part of the mission. And one of them is that is respect and like being cognizant of cultural and social sensitivities. So I'm curious, like how, how do you go about understanding those social sensitivities without kind of, you know, right? Like projecting our, our norm. Well, the beauty of what we do is that we have two co-directors in Nepal who are Nepali. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if there's anybody who's going to understand cultural norms, right. it's so. the two of them. Yeah. And yeah. so we lean heavily on Ram and Palmo to guide the decisions that we make. Yeah. Because, you know, I can think, oh, this just isn't right. And then they can put me in check. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? And, and they can help to guide um, the, deci the decisions that we make. Yeah. How much of that is... <clears throat> at the end of the day, like, do you guys say, well, it's really up, up to the family or the cultural norm? Because you're talking about, you know, in my eyes, immediately mm. you say, you know, somebody's married at age 10. I'm thinking like, oh, no. But <laughs> at the same time, it it may not be that way at all. And so I'm just kind of curious. like, Yeah, well, it happened um, just last spring. Actually, we had two young women, um, 15 years old, in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. So wow. like do wow, yeah, that math. That yeah, okay. So that you, in <laughs> itself. Um, so two young women in fifth grade who um, were both wanting to get married. Mm -hmm. um, one of whom, uh, extremely bright young woman. You know, you look at her report card and there she is with all A's. But, mm -hmm. um, but she was in love. And, you know, which is interesting because oftentimes it's the it's the families putting um, mm -hmm. yeah. young people together. But yeah. um, these two individuals were in love and they yeah. wanted to get married with the full support of the family. And so at one point, um, she had moved into her boyfriend's, you know, into her boyfriend's home. And uh, some of our friends in Nepal would say her so-called boyfriend's yeah. home. <laughs> um, Why do they say that? Uh, just It's not really... Yeah, I don't know. It, it, there's, it's difficult for our our um, our staff there because we're trying so hard to um, keep yeah. girls from being, you know, from being married. And she, when she went to her boyfriend's home, what that meant is not that she was just enjoying being in her boyfriend's home, but but now she's she's the daughter-in-law, right? And the daughter-in-law in the home is the one who's doing the cooking, and the cleaning. So and the serving yeah. and the housework it's and a responsibility it's a responsibility right. yeah yeah so you know a so-called boyfriend like would a boyfriend yeah. welcome a girlfriend into their home to do all of the family's work mm. right mm. because that's that's yeah. what happens in a patriarchal society yeah we were having this conversation the other night where you know what does it look like well what it looks like is 
you get married, you go to your house, and your mother's very happy because now she doesn't have to do all of that work. Now your your (laughs) my girlfriend quotes girlfriend is doing all that stuff. You know, she's doing the cooking. She's and not only the the cooking, so all the cooking for the family, but also the serving, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Making sure that everybody's got all of their food because in Nepal they eat with their hands they mm-hmm. don't use utensils yep. so they scoop up rice and they put their dal with their with their rice and scoop it up but what i was told the other night is you know the the woman who's serving is going to serve everybody because now that their hands are dirty right they can't serve right, themselves right. right so then she's done all the cooking and all the serving and she's the last to eat oh wow Mm. And then she gets to clean it up after. And then she <laughs> <laughs> so uh, go figure. Um, so, so that young woman, um, she did get married. Mm-hmm. The other one's story was much different, though, and and she it was just such a sad case. Um, and there was in, there was intense family pressure for her to become married um, mm. because quite honestly it would be easier for the family is it it's easier because then she lives somewhere else she lives somewhere else and it's one less mouth to feed yeah right wow. right and so she lives somewhere else and she's caring for someone else so both families were open to that idea and um, ultimately um, our staff was able to intervene and um, help the family recognize that education was going to be beneficial and mm-hmm. um we helped to get her out of the the situation she was in. We have um, we have four partner schools that we work with, and most of our our girls are day students. But we do have a partner school where um, there are some boarding students, mm-hmm. and we were able to um, a um, get her into a, a residential social services place, uh, a, an organization that we found in yeah. Kathmandu that provide social services to uh, victims of child trafficking. Oh, wow. Um, and, so, and so they do a lot of counseling and, and yeah. uh, good support. But they helped. So she was there. I think it was two weeks she was there. And then we were able to get her into a, a boarding school. Mm-hmm. And so now that's There's less where pressure she is. on the family. So then the family is putting less pressure on her. Yes. And, yeah. and she's, you know, out of, she's removed from that environment mm-hmm. and able to, kind of find her own way with new friends and you know she's still yeah in touch with old friends but but the end of that story is that she's you know one girl was married and now one girl we're working you know especially hard to to help her find her way yeah 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 how so how young do you typically start with a family We start with girls as young as uh, nursery, Mm -hmm. so um, like, well, five years old, four years old, five years old. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, I, my husband and I um, sponsor a little girl who we started sponsoring when she was five, and now she's going to be six. Um, Mm. So we just started sponsoring her, and we will sponsor her through her high school. Oh, cool. Yeah, and probably through college. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we form these long-lasting yeah, relationships. Long and we've got sponsors who have been with the organization for, you know, 20-plus years who have sponsored not just one girl, but once she's found her way, then go on to sponsor somebody else. Yeah. And you just told kind of a cool success story. So I don't know if you mind sharing that one again where 
It, oh. Less common, I guess, but she came to school in, did in you say the, Columbia University? She went up? to Georgetown. Georgetown. Yeah. Okay. So typically the, the girls that we work with stay in Kathmandu mm-hmm. um, every once in a while. Uh, there'll be um, an exceptional student mm-hmm. um, and for a variety of reasons may end up here in the U.S. So um, we do have... We have a couple here now, one of whom was uh, here with me the other night, uh, Bimala. And Bimala um, went to Georgetown on full scholarship. Amazing. And amazing. <laughs> um, she's a very bright and dedicated and wonderful human being uh, who I got to know. Um, I met her once at our annual board meeting last fall. And, uh, and there were a lot of people around, but you know there was that kind of cosmic connection that you have with people um and she began writing to me oh just a couple of months ago and asked me if I would help her um tidy up her grammar uh for her med school applications Mm -hmm. so we've been kind of communicating back and forth through um mostly through google docs and text Mm -hmm. messages and phone call every now and again so Bimala is currently in uh New York and she is working as a research assistant, uh, working with Alzheimer's patients wow. and applying to, she just applied to 20 med schools. Oh, wow. So we are keeping our fingers crossed for her. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, you know, when you think about her upbringing, her mom was married at age 10. Yeah. And uh, she's one of five children. So they're breaking the cycle that they've been in. We are breaking it. Yeah, yeah. breaking the cycle. And you said even for somebody like her, she's likely to go back. She has told me that she will go back. That's her plan. You know, she wants to go back and she wants to help others in her society. She's really committed to um, empowering girls and women. You know, she that's because she sees a a system that failed her own mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so she wants very much to be a part of the, the change. That's cool. For no. girls and women. And yeah. I imagine that's the hope. I mean, it's wonderful when when they have all of these resources and skills there and, you know, they're able to come here and also take from maybe the education we can provide, but also to then elevate their culture as a whole and like, just keep breaking the cycle for others. Well, yeah, and understanding her own culture, you mm-hmm. know, having a deep understanding of her own culture and what what is and is not a possibility and knowing you know how she can make those inroads Um, yeah it's really exciting to think about the the kinds of shifts that we're making and even you know right now we're um, as our organization grows and there are more and more young women who have become empowered by education you know we're seeing them going off into the world of work um, (laughs) in some pretty exciting ways Um, I'm about to go to Kathmandu um, leaving November 6th. And one of the things that Palmo, who's one of the co-directors, has planned for me is um, is a meeting of HAO graduates because I'm relatively new to the organization. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know the younger kids, some of the younger girls, because, of, uh, because I'm an elementary teacher and so I'm drawn to them. Um, but I'm getting to know the older girls as well. And I really want to know um, more of those girls who have who have graduated mm-hmm. so we're going to have a little luncheon and i've asked her if mm. there's you know a couple that i can really sit down and talk with and and learn their stories mm-hmm. 
which is something, you know, it takes time. This is an organization that's mm. been very patient. Um, been doing it for 30 years. Yeah, 35. Yeah, 35. Oh, almost yeah. there. <laughs> almost there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a piece that, um, you know, I, I'm kind of task-oriented, and I have to sometimes step back and remember we're on Nepali time. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure, and I feel with any type of, volunteer or just like help contribution is one of the biggest pieces I feel like is stepping back and learning first and so that's like huge part of the patience is like okay step back and learn and then see what's needed and act that is the you know that's my underlying philosophy about um service learning you know at at Moses Brown that was a piece of what I did yeah um was uh we always had a service learning component to our curriculum mm -hmm. and uh, the most important piece of serving others is finding out what they need right. finding out what they want and it's not about what I want for you it's what you're telling me you need and mm -hmm. how can I work to meet that need right really so cool. it's not about me coming in and imposing myself yeah oh yeah I love that yeah so a part a part of hands and outreach which I think is wildly important as someone who wants to be of service and who wants to help is you're creating these long-term relationships with with these girls that you know you're working with and helping and but you're also and I think you're going in March is you're actually going to Nepal and like leading a group there which yeah. I think is huge because then it it takes it and it actually it personalizes the that's it. It's really exciting, actually. There have been a few sponsored trips, and um, we have a former board member, Carolyn, who um, is local, and she's a, she's just a fabulous world traveler, uh, <laughs> a lot of fun to be with, and she coordinates these trips for sponsors. So we do a lot of, um, you know, we do some sightseeing, but also it, it's an opportunity for sponsors who have been exchanging letters back and forth and maybe pictures, um, seeing pictures of the, the student they sponsor to actually meet a girl, you know, that they've been working with That's really cool. um, up close and personal. So we have 15 people who signed up. Wow. Um, immediately we put the announcement out and there were 15 people who said they were ready to go. And yeah, so we'll go in, in, uh, late March is when that trip is and uh, so what and you've done this before yes or have sponsors have gone before sponsors <coughs> have gone before I think this is our ooh, at least our fourth fifth yeah um, so definitely it's a you know it's an important piece I think f not every sponsor we have 165 <coughs> uh, 170 sponsors at mm -hmm. this point and so it's not you know it's not in everybody's mm -hmm. itinerary uh, to yeah. go to Nepal and not everybody needs to or wants to um, but for those people who do want that really personal connection it is it's one of the most meaningful things they can yeah. they can do for that relationship is to actually be in the same room and to see you know where their their girl has grown up and to you know be able be able to hug her for the first time mm -hmm. um, yeah, in 2018, um, it was my second trip to Nepal, um, and there was a sponsor trip running at the same time that I was there. So I wasn't there on the sponsor trip, but there were sponsors who were in the same space at the same time. And, um, 
And one of our staff members, Kanchen, who is our CFO, has been sponsored since she was age five. She's now, what, 25. Wow. And her sponsor met her for the first time. So she'd been sponsoring her since she, she was three. Yeah, just a little girl. And, you know, to see them hug one another and be next to one another after all of these years and just the glow that came from both yeah. of them was so real and so it just heartwarming, you know, mm-hmm. just makes you want to go back and do this work it's <laughs> so wild yeah so as a sponsor they're actually interacting with so as a sponsor i mean we should maybe clarify you're sponsoring a, a child a specific child yes so um. we have a hundred right now we have 165 young girls and young women mm-hmm. who are sponsored by um people primarily in the u.s some in canada some in australia um and so a sponsorship is um a paying the girls annual tuition fee and uh, also helping to support the two preschools that we fund so for eight hundred ninety dollars a year uh, <laughs> a sponsor is able to um yeah pay the girls tuition for a full year at a private school in Kathmandu mm-hmm. valley um and books and uniform and all the stuff that she needs and also contribute to our preschool, which is really how we begin identifying the girls for the program mm-hmm. is um, through these two little co-ed preschools that we run. That's really cool. And yeah. they, and as a sponsor, you can communicate in some way with... Yes, yes. and the only way to communicate... <laughs> well, the way um, we communicate is... <coughs> I probably have some upstairs. Uh, handwritten letters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, girls and sponsors... Sponsors sometimes type them and send us um, a typed up letter but I could bring you upstairs and show you what mm-hmm. I'm about to bring to Kathmandu so uh, the there our families don't have addresses mm-hmm. so you don't go to the post office mm-hmm. and you know pop a package in the mail for your sponsored girl you give it to one of the people who's traveling to Nepal um, and they take it and they take it yeah That's really cool. so Last March, I went to Nepal. You're allowed two 50-pound bags, right? <laughs> you can check two bags. My bags were full of letters and gifts oh, from man. sponsors and mm. a whole bunch of reading glasses that um, <laughs> I brought over because the teachers were doing a reading glasses distribution. We can talk more about that. But um, And so, yes, I'll have letters and gifts and things from sponsors that then I bring to Kathmandu and Ram and Palmo and I will sort through all of the things and make sure that we've got the right stuff in the right bag on the right day because we're mm-hmm. headed off to girls' homes and partner schools and hand-delivering what the sponsors have brought. Yeah. On the flip side, um, both Ram and Palmo just came to the U.S. Um, they come typically once a year um, for our annual board meeting and then to do some awareness events and meet with mm-hmm. sponsors and um, there's all kinds of things they can do here in the U.S. Um, to help the organization. But they bring with them handwritten letters from the girls, which a couple of weeks ago, Palmo and I were up in my little home office mm-hmm. and she was <laughs> matching the letters with the sponsors and putting them in envelopes and we went to the post office and put the stamp on and off they went. It's a very, uh, it's a really grassroots organization yeah. and every letter that you get from Hands and Outreach will have a hand-drawn heart that's been colored in um, <laughs> and it's just, it's kind of our trademark, it's what we do. Um, and that was started by our executive director, Ricky Bernstein. He is a man with 
an enormous heart mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and his love is all over this organization and that's you know one of the things that we continue to, to carry on is uh, is that little signature <laughs> but yeah so all of those I don't know she brought at least 40 of them um, and and they come in various sizes mm-hmm. and shapes and sometimes they like fold up little things and put them in you know they <clears throat> fold little flowers and stuff and you know there's there's a lot of heart that goes into that exchange Mm. um yeah there's something really special about being a pen pal right (laughs) yeah 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 now i think another kind of important piece to this organization that you were telling me about last time we met was it's kind of a holistic experience so you were talking about um you know how there's also like health education for young girls and like and then continuing ed for wives or mothers who yeah so i think that's so, a really yeah, cool we piece we wrap our arms around the whole family so yeah it's a it's a family-centric approach mm-hmm. to education um and so there are a lot of things that we do to to wrap our arms around the family but if you think about hands and outreach i think of it there are five real components mm-hmm. so there's this sponsorship Part, which we've talked a little bit about, and that's the relationship between sponsor and girl. Um, there are preschools, which are where we build a strong foundation for education, mm-hmm. um, and those are co-ed. Uh, we've got our mother's education. Well, it's gone through a couple of name changes. <laughs> I think we're calling it our women's empowerment program okay. now, which was, um, it started as the mother's program and has been the women's education program and now we've really decided it's it's more than just literacy it's really it's empowerment mm-hmm. through education so mm-hmm. sponsorship preschools women's <laughs> empowerment uh we've got social services yep. um and that's where we provide uh food relief uh to families twice a year and emergency relief if they need it like if there's an earthquake mm-hmm. in yeah. 2015, right. you know, right. we were right, right. there. Um, and, you know, if a family is going through crisis, either, you know, with health, you know, we've had families who somebody's had cancer and we've stepped in and given some uh, financial support that way. So social services, and then we do teacher training as well. Mm. Um, so there are all of those components. But the the educating the the mothers, the women has been, it's just been such a huge shift. Um, I think for the organization really helping to push us forward in some exciting ways because you've got, now you have mothers who are fully engaged in the education process. These are women who never had a chance to go to school as Mm -hmm. kids. You know, they either never had a chance or dropped out really young. And Mm -hmm. so they're women who didn't learn how to read or write or do math, um, many of whom didn't have citizenship papers um, because citizenship is not a birthright really? in Nepal. Yeah. Um, so hmm. it, like men are in charge <laughs> and women have to um, get their citizenship papers. But oftentimes there's intense pressure from a married woman's um, in-laws for her not to have her citizenship papers you know think about it if she's if she is a citizen and she's married she's entitled to half of her husband's property Uh, yeah but if she's married and not a citizen then she hasn't got rights to anything Hmm. right yeah and so without citizenship papers you can't open a bank account 
right? So you're just completely so, reliant. So you are reliant on mm-hmm. somebody else. And these women who are um, who are illiterate are working day jobs primarily, hauling mm-hmm. bricks, hauling sand um, on construction sites, waiting for that day labor. Like, mm-hmm. can I get a job today for maybe my three bucks? Um, some of them are domestic helpers, um, so working in somebody else's home, cooking, cleaning, doing mm-hmm. that. Um, so now we're enabling these women to be in school hmm. for some for like the first time in their lives, and they get a uniform which they wear proudly to <laughs> school, and now they've got this sisterhood around them of women like themselves who may be suffering in the home. Maybe there is a husband at home and they're a victim of domestic abuse, right? But mm-hmm. they weren't like talking about that right. widely, but now they've got this community of women right, they have supporting them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what we do that's very different, we're the first program of our kind in Southeast Asia where we offer the women a stipend to come to school. So they don't have to do as much day labor. Right. So in order to offset the wages that they might lose from not going to the construction site, we offer them 30 bucks a month. Wow. Okay. So 30 bucks a month is going to pay rent. Cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it like the dollar goes a long yeah. way in Nepal, but for them, you know, that $30 goes a long way, right. but we don't just give it to them. We say, all right, half of this you have to put in a bank account so we've now helped the woman get her citizenship papers which enables her to open a bank account we give her some money say you have to put half in that's the deal you can take half and you can use it for you know food or rent or whatever whatever Mm -hmm. you need but half of it's got to go there and with that we can help counsel them around business decisions Mm -hmm. so and and now they're getting vocational training so they're learning how to do stuff like like make um, beaded bracelets. They're learning mm-hmm. how to sew. They're learning um, different skills that they can then take out mm-hmm. and use to earn a living wage, mm-hmm. not hauling bricks not hauling and sand, bricks. right? That is cool. And develop a little bit of pride and break down barriers of, that are created by caste, the caste system mm-hmm. in Nepal, right? Because, well, yeah, there's a hierarchy of mm-hmm. caste. Becoming yeah. maybe for the first time in their life um, independent on some level. Well, yes, gaining financial independence and gaining, you know, and and now they've got, they're developing voice Mm -hmm. in a way that they didn't have. So I've been there on uh, twice on the uh, International Women's Day uh, around beginning of March, March 8th, I think it was. Actually, they waited this year until I got there. (laughs) Um, And they'll do a a celebration of their learning. So there are 25 women um, in two different locations. So there are 50 altogether that Mm -hmm. are being educated. We're looking at opening another program at at another school. Um, And they they get together and they they love to, Nepalis love to dance and (laughs) and, um, perform in that way. But they also... Um, are learning public speaking. And so some of them will stand up and deliver a speech or a poem or something that they've written, you know, on a stage in front of everyone else for the first time. This is huge. You know, yeah. These are women who were like washing their clothes with a rock, you know. Mm-hmm. And and now here they are standing in front of a microphone and, and saying their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, having a voice. And having a yes. voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That's it's, crazy. Uh, and, you know, the daughters are now seeing their mothers who are engaged in education, right. right? So the mothers are an inspiration to the daughters. The daughters are an inspiration to the mother. And they're all kind of working in harmony to bring that whole education piece forward. So it's moving things in some really exciting, interesting really, really ways. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. so wild. And then, yeah, you you talked about the adolescent girls. Now that was a whole, yeah. you know, that was a whole uh, void. I get, yeah, I shouldn't say void really, but it was a challenge we had, and it came to light um, really in the dead of winter when we um, were. There was a a news story that hit the Kathmandu Post about uh, one of our. Our partner school is a valued partner school. They're fabulous teachers, a fabulous administration. Mm -hmm. But um, there was a teacher who had been, um, there were allegations of uh, sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, this is something that happens. Yep. Um, But that made us really step back and think, what are we doing to help prevent sexual harassment in schools what can we do Mm -hmm. right how can we um because the the school was looking for help and others are looking for help and and as i've come into the position i'm in i i really am looking at those adolescent girls as our most vulnerable population right if anybody's going to get tempted by the street it's going to be a 14 year old girl yeah (laughs) and so we want to put every every support in place to help her succeed Mm -hmm. and so we've begun partnering with a couple of organizations in Kathmandu Uh, one that we found is called Days for Girls Mm -hmm. and Days for Girls um, they're all over the all over the world now um, headed by a woman named Celeste Mergen who had a vision for putting uh, reusable menstrual kits in girls hands in developing countries because think about it there are a lot of days that are lost uh, a lot of school days lost because girls are menstruating Mm -hmm. believe it right like they won't won't go to school but now they've got um reusable menstrual kits and they can now bring these their pads home wash them hang them up and they're all they're pretty um they make them out of beautiful fabrics right right but the other piece about that organization is they they educate around women's health Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. reproductive health and um, self-defense and so Palmo, our, one of our co-directors, has organized for Days for Girls to come in and do workshops with our adolescent girls, mm. actually, every girl from grade four and up. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and all of the mothers in the mothers program. Oh, good. Ugh. Yeah. And we've partnered with another organization that comes in and does workshops, too. So, you know, Ram and Palmo do some amazing work making sure that, that our girls and their families get what they need you know rom is out there every day going to somebody's house and checking in with some girl their mother their father you know what's going on in the house how you know do you have what you need how can mm-hmm. we help mm-hmm. um and he serves a, a really critical role in um in helping them decide where they're going to go after high school you know mm-hmm. he, he's really he's like a guidance counselor you know <laughs> he's everybody's father you know the other day they're saying oh my gosh you've got 165 kids don't you oh it's 168 because you've got three of your own <laughs> yeah 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 and he has three girls yeah 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 i have kind of one more question before we um wrap wrap up a little bit but 
One question I had, you kind of mentioned it briefly. It's a little bit unrelated, but I had read that the earthquakes had a massive impact on education in general in Nepal mm. and that the rebuilding of that was slow. Is that, I mean, had an effect on you guys or how did you respond? Well, that was a massive yeah, well, you know, I wasn't with the organization right. in 2015, but what I do know is that um, because of the, you know, we call it our boots on the ground work, mm -hmm. because we are so closely connected to our families, we were right there, yeah. you know, when the earthquake hit, you know, Ram was, and Palmer were right there in the rubble, um, watching out for our families. And wow. so that was something, um, you know, providing that emergency relief, which we were able to do yeah. really quickly um, because we've got such a strong support system here right. and people see a crisis there. Um, people just are, are ready to, to help. Awesome. Um, but, you know, the, yeah, the aftermath of that still exists. You know, yeah. there, it's, you know, Kathmandu was already developing. Um, <laughs> and then you and then have you that kind of setback. setback. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's going to take a lot of years to, to really rebuild from that, from that disaster. Um, well, we usually finish our episode with three seeds, unless you have another question. Let's, let's seed it. We got seeds. Um, three <laughs> quick seeds. So they're just quick questions. If you take okay. like five, ten seconds and answer them. You don't have to overthink them. Okay. Um, <laughs> the first one is, is simply, what is your favorite book to gift or to share with others? So I told you I was a teacher, mm -hmm. and I taught elementary school. And uh, just about every year that I taught either third or fourth grade, I read the book Poppy by Avi out loud. Now he's a local author. Mm -hmm. And Poppy, you know, there's a lot of stories out there about um, mice. Have you noticed? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. There's like mice. Um, and Poppy is a, is a mouse, a, a girl mouse, who has all kinds of spunk. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so she's... Uh, I don't know. It's a story about friendship and love and, and passion and adventure and um, with a very strong female character. So I always read that to my students because I wanted um, the girls to identify with Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Poppy. Yeah. Um, so our second seed is if you had, um, could be a billboard, could be like a text message that you could send to everybody in the world in or something everyone could see or read something short what would it say oh that's so easy because <laughs> <laughs> i have it on the bottom of every email i send pretty much when girls and women succeed everyone benefits mm. i love it <laughs> my last question is for me personally so sorry for everybody else but um <laughs> what is one thing that you should do when you go to nepal because I'm going to go soon. <laughs> One thing you should do when you go to Nepal, <laughs> uh, you should meet my friend Kieran. <laughs> 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 yeah, Kieran is, uh, he was the founder of Child Welfare Society. He's a, he is the gentlest, kindest man. Um, and he he's kind of a, yeah, he's a founding father of the, Chandra Kala Balkendra Learning Center. Oh, cool. Yeah, you got to go see Kieran. Okay. <laughs> reach out to you guys. You love, you love yeah. a good story, I and do. he will tell you a lot of good stories. Good. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Um, so I know there's um, 
you're always looking for sponsors and you know people to contribute to the organization and things like that so before we uh, come to a complete close can you just talk maybe a little bit about what you're looking for and kind of what's coming up with the organization you mean like how can people help exactly (laughs) Uh, so lots of ways people can help Uh, we're always looking you know as I said, a dollar goes a long way in Nepal. So yep. sponsorship, you know, people say, oh, I'm not sure I can make that kind of commitment. And certainly, you know, it is a commitment. Um, and we love and appreciate each and every one of our sponsors. Um, we have a lot of folks who donate to our preschools. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, you know, any denomination will help there. 30 bucks will pay a woman's stipend for mm-hmm. a month. Um, yeah. And in December, we're going to be doing a, a challenge. We've got a, a donor who is, I think, we're just about locked up, um, is offering a $5,000 uh, donation, and we're accepting matches up to $5,000 for our higher education program. Mm-hmm. So we're wow. looking to develop a scholarship program for young women who are going to nursing school and medical school and business school. You know, these are the, the kinds of... Yeah. We've got a 98% retention rate wow. of Whoa. over 35 years of you know, girls who have gone on to higher education. So That's amazing. That's it's really, wild. yeah, it's that work of the heart, you know, makes mm-hmm. a big difference. So, yeah, so we're looking to boost that. So anything that anyone would like to contribute towards that $5,000 would be most appreciated. Yeah. You and know. where can people find um, out more if they want to be more involved, if they want to donate, if they want to support in any way. www.handsandoutreach.org. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. our website's the perfect place to go, and cool. there's a you know donate page on there. So, um, awesome. or you can always reach out to me, um, Laura Hunt. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Thank awesome. you so much Thank for doing you. this. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Oh my gosh. <laughs>